0: This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So good to be in service this evening. Can you just lift up your hands wherever you are and say, Father, we thank you. We bless your name. We give you praise and glory. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for distinguishing us. Thank you for making us citizens of heaven. Lord, we are eternally grateful. So, Lord, we bless your name. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to welcome you to service this evening. I trust that you'll be tremendously blessed by God's word. Um, Well, for those of us that are fasting, (laughs) I hope you've been enjoying the fast. This is another day. I think this is the 12th day. Yes, it's been remarkable. God has been moving us from one level of glory to the other. Um, If you've not joined the fast, please make sure you do so. Uh, Don't be left behind. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And, um, you know, um, services, physical services have resumed. So if you were not in service on Sunday and you reside in Lagos, well, you missed. But I'm sure you also caught up with us online and you watched the service. Um, If you missed both the physical service and the online version of the service, please, I would admonish you to watch the services. First and second service they were powerful, very powerful. Pastor shared with us some very vital and important truths that you must not miss to know as a Christian. Praise God. So tonight, I just want to go a step further and sharing some of the thoughts that I've heard from him and some of the thoughts that I believe would bless you. So we're talking about living beyond the natural this evening. Praise God. Praise God. And I sincerely want to thank um, Pastor Shala um, for this opportunity to share God's word with you. And of course, thank Pastor Abigail too for the opportunity. It's, it's always um, a honor to do these things under and functioning under their grace. Praise God. All right, I would want us to open our Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, we'll be reading the 12th and the 13th verses. Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. The Bible says, Giving thanks unto the Father... Which had made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13. And that's where I'm going. He says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Praise God. And we know the son he's talking about here is Jesus Christ. So he says, He had delivered us from the power of darkness. Maybe another way to put it is from the kingdom of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, meaning now we are citizens of a new kingdom. Praise God forevermore. Now, if you've been listening to our pastor speak in the last two services, three services, he's been talking about kingdom citizenship. And if you've missed any of them, please get the message and listen to them. Praise God. So, this verse tells us very categorically that we have been translated into a new kingdom. So, we are citizens of God's kingdom. Now, when we get born again, it is important to note that we become citizens of another kingdom. You see, being born again is being born as a citizen of another kingdom. Praise God. Now, as you would naturally say, That if you have an American father and mother come to Nigeria, to maybe to work or on vacation, and during that period, they give birth to a child. You see, that child is inherently an American, even though he was born in Nigeria. But because he was born of American parents, that child becomes an American automatically. And at the same time, that child can also go get a green passport and become a citizen of Nigeria. So that child can operate what we call dual citizenship. Praise God. You see, the same thing happens to us when we give our lives to Christ. When we get born again, we become citizens of God's kingdom. Even though we are physically on earth, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. So we become citizens of heaven. Praise God. Even though we might hold a green passport or a passport of any physical country where we we reside physically in, It is important to note that you are primarily a citizen of another kingdom, a superior kingdom. And that kingdom is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Praise God. Now, in the book of Philippians chapter 3 verse 20, Philippians 3.20, the Bible tells us in in the King James Version for us, it says, Our conversation is in heaven. That's how he puts it in the King James Version. Now you might not accurately understand what he's talking about there until you read maybe other versions, especially the Amplified version. He says we have become citizens of the state, and that state he's talking about he calls he puts in bracket the Commonwealth, the homeland. Talking about heaven, praise God. So we are now citizens of another kingdom, and it's important that that becomes our reality, that becomes our consciousness. Amen. Because when we understand those two verses of the Bible, then we would accurately understand 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20. Can we open there? Now 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20 says that now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors for Christ. He says, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Saying that we are ambassadors, introducing us to our identity. You see, this kingdom is a very unique kingdom. It is the only kingdom where citizens are also members of a family. And you see, those citizens operate on earth as ambassadors. Praise God. Praise God. They operate on Earth as ambassadors. Now, um, in my journey in life, um, one of the courses I've been privileged to study is a course called international law. And in international law, they will tell you that an ambassador is an official envoy, especially a high-ranking diplomat, all right, who represents a state and is usually accredited to another sovereign state, meaning... An ambassador is one who operates in another country, but that ambassador is not from that country where he or she operates. So the state or the country or the kingdom or the place where this ambassador operates is called the host country. However, that ambassador is from another country, and that country is called the home country to this ambassador. Praise God. That is the homeland of the ambassador. Now, the unique thing about an ambassador is that an ambassador lives in a foreign country, however, carries with him or her the authority of the country where he or she comes from. For example, you know, you might have the ambassador of the United States of America to Nigeria. Now, this ambassador lives in Nigeria, all right, drives on Nigerian road. However, this ambassador drives in an American car in Nigeria. This ambassador lives in a place in Nigeria, and that place is a very sacred place. Now, this ambassador works in what you would call an embassy in Nigeria. However, this ambassador is physically in Nigeria, but this ambassador represents everything about America. As a matter of fact, you know, according to international law, if you have someone commit a crime in Nigeria, And that person is being chased by the law enforcement agencies and that person is able to either get into the house of the ambassador or even the compound of the ambassador's house or that individual is able to enter into the U.S. embassy. Now, the Nigerian law enforcement will stop and would have to get authority from the American government for that person to be released to them. Why? Because even though the embassy is physically located in Nigeria, that embassy is regarded as a sovereign land, as sacred territory. That embassy is regarded as America in Nigeria. So the Nigerian law enforcement understands that, that if they're going to the embassy, they are contravening international law. So they would have to have a conversation with the ambassador and with his delegates and with other diplomats to get this person out, regardless of what the person has done meaning that an ambassador lives in a foreign country and enjoys all the benefits of his home country, even though he's physically in another country. Praise God. Praise God. You see, when the ambassador appears in front of the Nigerian president and he's having a conversation with the Nigerian president, to the Nigerian president, it is not just a human being from America speaking. It is the American government having a conversation with this president. And the president understands that. And the ambassador also understands that. And that's why ambassadors are very cautious in the way they speak. Because they understand that they represent the government of their homeland. They represent the government of another country, even though they are physically located in a foreign country. Praise God. So when the Bible looks at us and says that we are ambassadors for Christ, it's simply telling us that even though we physically live on the face of the earth, We are from another kingdom. He buttresses that fact and brings into our consciousness the fact that we should become aware that our experiences should align with the country where we come from. Our experiences should align with our home government. Our experiences should align with our original country. Praise God. So every single born again child of God, the Bible tells us categorically without any, any, any say, saying, saying anyone is cut out of it. He says that we are ambassadors. Praise God. Wherever you are, I want you to say out very loudly, I'm an ambassador. You see, because you are a citizen, you are an ambassador. Hallelujah. You are an ambassador of the kingdom of Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now, this has implications. Praise God. This has implications because you must understand that the fact that you are functioning as an ambassador in another country, and that is based on your citizenship, right? You must understand that you have access to certain resources that the people who are citizens of the country where you are residing in might not have access to. You see, a few weeks ago or months ago, we had lots of, um, even though they had banned international flights and all of that had happened, because of the situation, the COVID-19 pandemic and all of that, we heard certain things in the news. And part of it was the fact that countries were evacuating their citizens from various countries and bringing them back home. So you had British Airways coming to Nigeria and say, you know what, we're evacuating all British citizens, all Britons from Nigeria. Now, <laughs> now when if you appeared at the airport and you did not show a passport, a Burgundy passport, showing that you are from Britain, they will tell you to go back home. Now, even when you appear there, whether you were black or white, if you had the British passport and you showed them and you could prove that you are a citizen, they were going to let you into the plane. Because they are evacuating what? They are citizens. So, these were some of the privileges they have. In war times, that is what typically would happen. Countries send in their aircraft to evacuate their citizens and bring them home. So that, I mean, you guys can be killing yourselves, right? But we evacuate our citizens. So you must understand that as a citizen and as an ambassador of the kingdom of Christ on earth, you have certain privileges and certain certain opportunities that the normal human being does not have. Now, I remember a story I heard. um, It's a story I heard many years ago, and it's a story about an old couple. This old couple won, you know, they won a particular um, ticket to do a boat cruise. And I mean, these guys were so poor that this was going to be big for them. This was going to be the first time they were ever going to be traveling out of their country. Now, I mean, a boat cruise, wow. I mean, the husband and wife, old as they were, they were so excited. And at the same time embarrassed because this was going to be the first time they were going to be traveling out of their country on any kind of transportation found possible. So they got into this boat. These guys went home, packed their loads, got into the ship rather. And they were in awe of the beauty of the ship. I mean, they looked around. The captain took them around. They were in awe. You went. They were not the only ones who had won this type of um, ticket or this type of boat cruise. And so they were excited with the other people. But this couple had also ensured that when they were coming on the boat, they had packed crackers and a little juice, you know, to survive while they were on on the boat, you know, for as long as the ship was going to be at sea. And so they got in and the the, 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 um, crew of the ship showed them where their room was. They got into their room and they were like, wow, they touched the bed, smooth bed. I mean, touched the walls. They said, wow, we've never experienced anything like this. The husband looked at the wife. The wife looked at the husband. They hugged each other and said, wow, God has smiled on us. Ooh, this is so exciting. And you know, both of them were looking out of the window and seeing the scenery, seeing the ocean. And it was like, God is so great. And they were so happy and excited. And you know, every day they'll sit on the floor And they would open up their crackers and they would eat and they would drink some of the juice they brought on on board. And they would, you know, just be in that place of saying, oh, Father, we are so grateful that you gave gave us the opportunity to enjoy this ship cruise or boat cruise, as you would call it. Now, this happened the first day, the second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. Now, when it got to the ninth day, the captain of the ship got bothered and said, where are these two old people? I mean... Um, every other person was coming out, eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, going around the boat, enjoying all of the, the, the pleasantries, enjoying all, you know, of the benefits of, you know, being winning the ticket to this boat cruise. You know, they were going for the parties, doing all of that. But these two old guys just sat in their rooms. So and the p- captain already started getting bothered. And he was wondering, are they dead or alive? Okay, so he sent one of his crew members there, yeah, go check them out. And this crew member knocked on the door. Remember, this is the ninth day. And when they opened the door, you know, they greeted the crew member. and said, thank you so much for this opportunity. We are just relishing the moments and, and all of that. And the, <laughs> the guy stood there shocked. Why? Because he looked at them and saw, you know, crackers on the floor, saw juice on the floor. And he looked at them and asked them a question. He said, sorry, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um is this what you guys have been feeding on? They said, yes, this is what we've been feeding on for the past nine days. And for whatever days remaining, we brought enough. Don't worry, don't worry about us. And the man looked at them and said, okay, sorry, can I get your tickets? Can I look at it? And they brought out the tickets, gave it to him, he looked at the tickets, and he was surprised. Then he handed over the tickets back to them and said, I'm sorry, um, why didn't you come out for breakfast, lunch, dinner, all of these days? Why didn't you go out enjoying, you know, and all of that? And they looked at him and said, Sir, um, um, we didn't have enough money to pay for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So we just stayed in our room and we were eating what we brought. And the man looked at them and said, No, your ticket covered everything. Your ticket covered the breakfast, the lunch, the dinner, every single thing. There was nothing that was going, (laughs) going going to be out of place for you to come out and have lunch and dinner and all of that with us. They were like, Whoa, Really? But, you know, as I read that story, I'm reminded of lots of believers, right? They have access to the most powerful kingdom on the face of the earth. They are citizens of that kingdom, but they are living a life that is at, not at par and actually below standard to this kingdom. And why? I'll tell you. Because when you are brought into this kingdom, there is an expectation from God. That expectation is that you expose yourself to the knowledge that comes from that kingdom. That knowledge that tells you about your rights and your privileges and all the things that are available to you as possibilities and realities. However, rather than experiencing and exposing yourself to that kind of knowledge, lots of believers would expose themselves to only what we call sense knowledge. Hence, we have two kinds of knowledge every believer would choose to operate by. Either sense knowledge or revelation knowledge. What is sense knowledge? Sense knowledge is that knowledge that is based entirely on the five senses and the seven natural laws of nature. I'll say that again. Sense knowledge is that knowledge that is based on the five senses and the seven natural laws of nature. What are the five senses? Remember, primary school, secondary school, depending on where they taught you. I mean, the sense of touch, the sense of smell, the sense of sight, the sense of taste, and the sense of hearing. Meaning, these believers, even though they are citizens of the kingdom, they are ambassadors for Christ on the face of the earth, they would live their lives or they've chosen to live their lives because it's a choice based on the knowledge of what their five senses can tell them. So if they cannot see it, they do not believe it. If they cannot taste it, they do not believe it. If they cannot smell it, they would not believe it. If they cannot see it, if they cannot hear it, they would not believe it. These guys are living their lives based on empirical reasonings, based on philosophy, based on logic, and they are living their lives based on the natural laws of nature. Now, a man had done a very robust study. His name, by the name Wilkinson, sometimes in the early 1900s, and this guy came up with about seven. He said all the laws of nature are about seven. The law, I mean, law of relativity. I would not want to bore you with all the details, but you can read it up on the internet. Now, but summarily, what all these laws tell us is that life is a bundle of energy. (laughs) So, your thoughts are powerful. And yes, they are. And this thought, it tells us that there is cause and effect. If you want to experience this result, you must do this. Right? So, if you experience, if you do this, this is going to be the result. I mean, you can have no other results. Now, people who are believers and Christians and live their lives totally based on logic, sense knowledge, based on all of that, what they'll be doing to themselves is to be short-circuiting the power of God in their life. I tell you. Because there is so far sense knowledge can take you. The natu- now, I want you to say this. Now, God created The natural laws of life. God created sense knowledge. He did. But however, he's also created something higher. Now, what is higher are what we call revelation knowledge. Now, this is knowledge that comes from our country. (laughs) This is knowledge that comes from where where we come from. This is knowledge that comes from the kingdom of God. This is knowledge that comes from God. And this knowledge does not violate natural laws. Listen to me. This knowledge supersedes natural laws. Praise God. Praise God. This knowledge supersedes natural laws. And so, anybody who is living his or her life based on the senses—so I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling cold. I'm, I mean, I'm, 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 I, I look at my bank accounts and I see how much is there, and I base my life entirely on that. Uh, see, for any result I have in life, I must work very, very hard to it. People who are listening to, I mean, you're listening to the philosophies of men. And even though you're a believer, you become a philosopher. You've become fully logical about every single thing. I mean, you're going to get into a lot of trouble. Because the truth is that Christianity in itself is supernatural. Christianity is 100% supernatural. How can you explain how Jesus was born by a virgin? You cannot explain naturally. So for you to believe that, I want you to understand that Christianity in itself is supernatural. And you see, you cannot live your life only and entirely based on what you can feel, smell, and all of that. You see, as important as those things are, they are the facts of life. But there is something called the truth of God's word. And you see, the truth supersedes facts any day, anytime. Praise God. Praise God. So you see, there is revelation knowledge, and that is knowledge from our country. The knowledge tells us how to live and what we can experience in God. You see, as we study God's word, what we are doing is that we are exposing ourselves to the knowledge that comes from our kingdom. Praise God. The knowledge that comes from our kingdom. And that knowledge is very clear. You see... One of the dangers of living your life entirely based on the things that are happening on the face of the earth, living your life based on natural laws, believing your life based entirely on logic, one of the dangers is that the Bible tells us very categorically in First John five nineteen, He says that the entire world lies in wickedness. That means the devil has influenced the natural world and has influence over the natural world. So the devil can manipulate things. You see? So science can never explain God. But I can assure you, God can explain science. Glory to God. You see, so you're living your life based on the things you see. And look around us. Watch the news. You hear people saying no, all manner, People postulating and bringing out policies and laws that are entirely anti the kingdom that we come from. And it's sad when you find Christians who agree with those laws. And they try to explain it. You know, they try to explain it. And they tell you that, you know, that these things are nature. This is how people are. understand when is entirely a demon at work? (laughs) Praise God. You see, we must stand for the kingdom where we have come from. We must understand we are ambassadors. And in our kingdom, the only thing that helps us to understand our kingdom is the word of God and the spirit of God. You see, when you are operating based on the knowledge of the kingdom, this kingdom that I'm talking about, this kingdom that our pastor has been talking about, when you're operating based on the laws that come from this kingdom, what would happen in your life is that you would be experiencing miracles. Now, you know, in the aircraft world, you know, when a plane taxis along the runway and a plane is about to take off, what would naturally happen is that there is such a thing called the law of gravity, right? But... The engineers have been able to understand that there is also something called the law of lift. So when you engage the law of lift, at a certain speed, the aircraft becomes so light that whatever the pilot takes the aircraft to do, the aircraft will do. The pilot says the aircraft should lift. It would operate at a higher level than the law of gravity. And the aircraft will take off. And it will look as though there is no gravity at all. That's what we're saying. You see, the supernatural laws of God, which are the laws of the kingdom that we come from, these laws supersede the law, natural laws. These laws are solid laws. And you see, if I to extend this further, I will tell you, these laws, the supernatural laws actually gave birth to the natural laws. Praise God. The Bible says in Genesis 1-1, it says that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The heaven is that unseen dimension of God. The earth is the physical dimension of God. You see the natural laws operate on the earth. You see in heaven there are other laws. The the laws in heaven supersede the laws on earth. They gave birth to these laws so they can practically supersede and be superimposed over the natural laws. The same way the law of lift can be superimposed over the law of gravity. Now As I close, I want to begin to explain to us that because we come from this kingdom, there are certain things we can do to engage these supernatural laws. Now, you see, I mean, there is something I want to read to us. I mean, it's from a book, um, a book that, I mean, it's a very good book. Now, it's about the story of a man by the name John G. Lake. And I want to read it to us. Because the story tells precisely um, how supernatural laws can supersede and supplant natural laws. Now, I read it. It says, As the team landed, that was John G. Lake's team, landed on African soil in Janu- January 1910, a plague was raging over portions of the nation. In less than a month, one quarter of the entire population had died. So there was a plague, right? And people were dying from the plague. Does that ring any bell? Coronavirus, praise God. He says, in fact, the plague was so contagious that the government was offering $1,000 to any nurse who would care for the sick. Lake John G. Lake and his assistants went to help free of charge. He and one of his assistants would go into the houses, bring out the dead and bury them. But no symptom of the plague ever touched them. Now, at the height of this horrible plague, a doctor sends for John G. Lake and asks him, What have you been doing to protect yourself? You must have a secret. To this, John G. Lake responded, Brother, it is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I believe that just as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God, so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and body, "...that no germ will ever attach itself to me, for the Spirit of God will kill it." Lake then invited the doctor to experiment with him. He asked the doctor to take the foam from the lungs of a dead plague victim and put it under a microscope. The doctor did so and found masses of living germs. Then John G. Lake astounded the people in the room as he told the doctor to spread the deadly foam on his hands... And announced that germs would die. The doctor did so. And found that the germs died instantly. In late hand. Those who witnessed the experiment. Stood in amazement. As John Jile continued to give glory to God. Explaining the phenomenon like this. You can fill my hands with them. And I will keep it under the microscope. And instead of these germs remaining alive. They will die instantly. This guy understood something. Praise God. This guy understood something that a lot of believers need to understand today. That we are from a superior kingdom. You see, it is if in our kingdom, people can walk on water. Remember Matthew 14? When Jesus, the Bible says he had finished praying and he told his disciples to go to the other side. The Bible says Jesus was going to them and he walked on water. Defied the natural law of gravity. <laughs> Praise God. That is what can happen when you understand the laws of our kingdom. Praise God. In Daniel chapter 3, I I mean, I read the story. Every time I read that story, I'm so excited in my spirit. You know, the Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 3, about Nebuchadnezzar building an image and saying people should bow to the image. And uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow and they reported them to Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar was so angry because he had given a command that anybody who would not bow, they would be thrown into a fiery furnace of fire. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar gave the order, said, you know what? Hit that furnace seven more times. Glory to God. Hit the fire seven more times. The Bible says that when Nebuchadnezzar told them to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, because he had asked them, and they told him point blank. They said, sir, we are not bowing. We are not worshipping you, neither are we bowing to your image. He says that we, will, we, will, we serve the living God. And that we trust that that God can deliver us. Even if that God refuses to deliver us, we are not going to bow. Now, you know, they carried the, and Nebuchadnezzar got so upset. And he said, after hitting the fire seven times, the Bible says he picked mighty men in his kingdom to take Chedrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the fire. And the Bible says that the fire was so hot that the heat from the fire slew the mighty men. Can you imagine that? Slew the heat from the fire slew the mighty men, but the mighty men still threw these guys into the midst of the fire. But the Bible tells us that the three guys stood in the midst of the fire and there was a fourth man. Glory to God. And the person who saw this fourth man <laughs> was Nebuchadnezzar himself. The Bible says Nebuchadnezzar looked at the fire and said, excuse me, I think, wait, were there not three people we threw into the fire? How come there are four? I can see a fourth man and the fourth man looks like the son of God. That must have been a revelation to Nebuchadnezzar. And you know what he said? Wow. And they are walking around in the fire. And now listen to this part. Nebuchadnezzar now told them. He said bring them out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the fire. And the Bible tells us Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked out of the fire. Meaning they could have escaped. <laughs> Praise God. They could have escaped but they chose not to escape. Because the Bible now tells us why. He says that. Their clothes was, did not change. It says their hair was not singed. Nothing had happened to them. Now the part that I'm, I gets me so excited is that the Bible even goes for that to tell us that there was even no smell of smoke on their body. Praise God. Only God can do that. In our kingdom, the supernatural is natural. Do you understand me? In our kingdom, the supernatural is natural. In a world where people are beginning to disdain supernatural things and just stick with natural things. Now let's try to explain everything. I want you to understand that our kingdom is supernatural. And we can still experience the supernatural. We are still experiencing the supernatural. If you belong to the household of David, this would not be foreign to you. Because you, you know the testimonies that we record every single day about the supernatural God walking in our lives. We are not natural beings. I want you to understand that. We are supernatural beings. And Christianity is 100% supernatural. Do you remember John chapter 11? When Lazarus had died... The Bible says Jesus went to the graveside because he had told the disciples, let's go wake Lazarus from sleep. And the disciples said, is he sleeping? And he said, yes, he's sleeping. And they said, if he's sleeping, leave him alone. And Jesus said, actually, he's dead. You see, what they had called impossible, they said he's dead. I mean, when anything dies, they said that is an impossible case. But you see, the God we serve and the kingdom we come from, what men have called impossible is possible with God. So we live in a world of possibilities. There is absolutely nothing that is impossible to us. Praise God. And the Bible says Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus and he he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible tells us that a guy who had been dead for about three days or the four days, the Bible says he came forth. Now what was interesting is that the Bible says Lazarus was bound hand and foot and even his face was covered. How did Lazarus know where the way was? It was the power of the Holy Ghost that descended on that body and raised that body, dragged that body back to life and transported the body to the the door of the tomb. Glory to God. We serve a supernatural God. Supernatural things can still happen for you. As we fast and pray, I want you to start to think of supernatural things happening to you because that is the kingdom that we come from. That is the kingdom that we come from. As I close... Acts chapter 12. I want to read Acts chapter 12 to you. You see, a lot of people have lost faith in prayer. They pray because it's tradition, it's religion. You know, let's just pray. You know, maybe God might hear us, God might not hear us. And you might be saying that because of an experience you've had. Maybe you had a loved one that you prayed that the loved one would come back to life. Maybe the loved one was not feeling fine, but the loved one still died. Then you begin to doubt Is this thing true or not? I want you to understand that when you are operating on God's word, it is always true. It is always true. It is always true. God is ever true. Praise God. Never use your experiences to interpret the word. Interpret your experiences through the eyes of God's word. If that happened to you in the past... It is sad, but I want you to understand that there might just have been something you didn't do right. So, go into the Word and try to understand it. And if it was the sovereignty of God, trust that God knows best. Amen? Because he's called the only wise God. But never use that as an experience. You heard that this person died. Ah, this person is not feeling fine. Ah, and you look and say, ah, this great man of God, this great woman of God, something happened to her. You absolutely have no idea what this person believes. You see? So, do not base your own experiences in life based on theirs. Base your experience on God's word. Stick to the word. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 12, if, if you're listening to me, I want you to begin to pray under your breath where you are. Just begin to pray under your breath as we read this. The Bible says, Now about that time, Acts 12 and verse 1, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. With all the anointing of James, killed James. and the Bible says in verse 3 and because he saw it pleased the Jews so these were part of James's people I'm sure some even maybe church members in James church they were happy they said well the same way you have lots of Christians who have become philosophers and logical thinkers now they abuse the pastor here. Abuse that one. If they see any pastor talking about the supernatural, abuse it. And I don't blame them because we even have some pastors also who are—they do not talk about supernatural things. They rationalize everything. I mean, let's just just stick with you know what the let, let's not go that far because it can happen. And so we have Christians who are weak in faith, who are weak in faith. Very sad. Very sad. But we trust that God is doing something new through his church now. We have believers who are afraid of COVID-19. Now, you see, we will do what the government says. The government says, cover your face with a face mask, wear all of that. We will do it. But I want you to understand that that is not our hope. Our hope is in who we, in who we are in Christ Jesus. is in what Jesus has done for us. You see, did I read the story of John G. Lake to you. The truth is that if that virus touches you and you understand the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which is the law that operates in our kingdom, that virus will die. That is the truth. I mean, to stretch it further, you know, the Bible talking about us, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. I've been meditating on that verse of the Bible. It says the first Adam was made a life, a living soul. He says, but the last Adam, talking about Jesus Christ, in the King James Version, it says it was made a quickening spirit. I like it in some other versions. They amplified. He says it was made a life-giving spirit. That means that the truth is that when you breathe as a Christian, when you speak as a Christian, if you have understanding, you are not only breathing out, Carbon dioxide. You are breathing out life. You are breathing out the Zoe of God. How can that infect anyone? <sighs> but we'll do what the government says because the Bible also tells us to do that, to do and obey authorities. But our hope should not be in all of that. That's why we should not fear their fear. The Bible says, verse 3 And because Herod saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. <laughs> Then were the days of the unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four continents of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Verse 5. Peter therefore was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. You see, if the church does not rise up, the devil will be having a few days. He says, Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was made. This was what they did not do for James. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Verse 6, and when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with with two chains, and the keeper before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord, this is what would happen as we pray. Throughout the month of August, as we are praying and fasting, I want you to understand, regardless of how terrible the situation is, you look at Nigeria and you give up. The truth is that there is nothing that God cannot change. There are no impossibilities with God. He says, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and light shined in the prison and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying, I rise up quickly. And his chains fell up from his hands. Praise God forevermore. And the angel said unto him, Guide thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wished not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. Saints, I want you to know that as we pray and fast this season, That we are going to have experiences that people will touch us and say, this is actually happening to you. Because we would have supernatural experiences. Angels, there's an increase of angelic activity over Nigeria. Oh, there's an increase of angelic activity over Nigeria. There's an increase of angelic activity over your lives. I want you to understand that regardless of the situation, God is at work. Because the God of the supernatural is our God. That is the kingdom where we come from. He says, when they were past the first and the second world, they came unto the iron gates that leaded unto the city, which opened it to them of his own accord. Brothers and sisters, there are open doors all around. There are open doors all around is going to happen supernaturally. You will do what you need to do. Remember, Peter was walking physically, but these things were happening. So as we pray, you see, God will begin to lead us. As we pray, we'll begin to have supernatural encounters. As we pray, that little effort will yield an amazing result that is beyond your human comprehension. He says, and as they went out and passed out onto one street, and fought with the angel, departed from him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 I want to just lift up your hands wherever you are and begin to pray in other tongues if you can. I want you to begin to pray in other tongues if you can. And you see if you... You've not been baptized and the Holy Spirit is okay. Just lift up your hands. I trust God to fill you. Just begin to speak in undertones. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We are not citizens of the face of the earth. We are citizens from heaven. We operate by supernatural laws. And these laws are real. These laws are not fake. So we have supernatural results operating in our lives and supernatural encounters in the name of jesus father we bless your name we give you praise and glory hallelujah 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 father we thank you father we thank you father we thank you Saints, as you go out into your day as you walk out throughout this month i want you to be conscious of this praise god praise god praise god hello thank you for watching us we don't want this to end without giving you an opportunity to make jesus christ the lord of your life you know after listening to god's word like this and you have never made jesus christ the lord of your life it's an opportunity to come to him and it's a simple process because he has made all things available i want to employ you now to give your heart to christ and by saying these words because giving your heart to christ must be done consciously he has paid the price say after me say lord jesus I come to you. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again. I believe that you shed your blood for my justification. I accept your finished work right now and I confess that you are the Lord of my life. I believe in you. Thank you, Jesus. If you have said those words, you are actually born again, a new creation in Christ. Join us for more of this. God bless you.